Good morning. It's always nice to have friends who have the gift of exaggeration. But uh, Have you ever considered what it would have been, a lo- been like to be a Christian in the first hundred or so years after Jesus died and rose again? I mean, it would be fresh and exciting. It would have been, you'd been part of something that was very new and very different from something that had ever existed uh, before. And there were more communities of Jesus followers springing up all over the world very rapidly, but most of them were small. And all they had was the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the New Testament. They um, didn't have older believers. They were probably not many second generation believers. No one with a vast history in God. They had little contact with the apostles some churches were very favored by a visit most of them weren't some of them got a letter and you you might get a copy of that but there was no downloads there was no email there were no phone calls for you to connect with them to find out if you were on track and not only that not only exciting but it, it was vulnerable for the reaction to those first communities by the wider community was largely hostile. And within the church, were you, if you've ever been into one, one of those small groups, you know other people in small groups sometimes have crazy ideas? And you think, where did you get that from? Well, that happened in the early church too, but you didn't have... Lots of people who knew the Bible better than you did. So how did you know some strange and confusing ideas came into the church? And it was in that sort of context that the Apostles' Creed was developed. It's one of the very earliest statements of Christian belief. It helped that widespread movement keep on track. Now... I've never regularly attended a church where they say the Apostles' Creed every week. And um, I don't know if this is something you're going to continue or just for the series. But I do know that whenever I go to a church, usually on holiday, and they say the Apostles' Creed together, I get excited by it. The power in those simple, personal affirmations. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord. But I must confess that the thing that gets me most excited is found in the last paragraph. It says this, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, and here it comes, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Uh, usually by that time I am in my spirit wanting to get up on the pew or on the chair and shout and clap and cheer. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. All my failures, all the things I'm ashamed of, all the rubbish things I've thought and done are sorted, clear. They're not a burden. I don't have to carry around the weight of guilt. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. And I just about hold myself in check because when I look around, I'm not sure anyone else would join me 
and my organiser might beat me up afterwards. I wonder what statements in the Apostles' Creed affect you most as we read it. Where did your heart quicken? I think if we did a survey of the general population, there would be all sorts of reactions differing amongst types of people, but also differing with the different statements that are made. I think with some statements, even non-Christians would be quite happy to accept. Others, they would just shrug their shoulders and go, hmm, you believe that? How strange. But I think for other statements, there would be a negative reaction. And there's one statement above all statements that I think would get the strongest negative reaction. I wonder if you can guess which one it is. It's the one we're going to consider this morning. I believe he will come to judge the living and the dead. For many people in the secularized Western world, if there is a God, then his only job is simply to accept and to forgive. And to mention the idea of judgment stirs up anger. Anger and shock. Surely you don't believe that. Surely that can't be true. And yet it's an inescapable element of the teaching of the New Testament. It is a notion that pervades all the preaching and all the writing of the writing of the apostles. Judgment is inescapable, not only in the message of the New Testament, but it's an inescapable fact of reality. Let's look and listen to what Peter says when he preached to the non-Jews in the city of Caesarea. You find this in Acts 10. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message of God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by the witnesses whom God had already chosen by us, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed of the, as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness through his name. 
while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell and came on all who heard the message. Judgment is part of the authentic message of the apostles. Following Christ, trusting your life to him, not only saves you from a wasted existence in this life, but saves you from the coming judgment where every thought, motive and action is weighed by him. He is coming to judge. At this point in the creed, we move from what Christ has done and was done before us to what he will do. He will be the judge of all, of you and me, of the people walking past, of friends and family, of everyone who lives today and who has ever lived. He will be the judge. And his life will be the standard by which we're all assessed. Surprisingly, judge. And I want to tell you this morning, this is surprisingly good news. It's surprisingly good news. And if you only had ears to hear, you could hear creation crying out for the day when he will come as judge. Creation crying out in praise. Listen to what Psalm 96 says, where somehow someone has listened to creation. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord for he comes. Why? He comes to judge. Sounds strange, doesn't it? To some ears. Rejoice. Be jubilant. Leap for joy. Because he comes to judge. Needs explanation, I think. Most people think of judgment as negative. But judgment is a matter of justice. And justice means putting things right. Putting everything right. When Jesus comes to judge the world, he will put everything right in another sermon Peter preached that you find in Acts he says this that Christ would remain in heaven until the time came for the restoration of all things things back to the way they should be the way they were intended to be before human rebellion entered in and distorted everything the rebellion started back in the garden of Eden and continues today And that rebellion has not only poisoned the hearts of men and women, it has disrupted the whole of creation, the entire cosmos. And the New Testament looks forward to a day when all the promise of creation is fulfilled. When Jesus comes to judge, to bring justice, to turn everything up the right way. When Paul writes to his friends, well, yeah, most of them he hadn't met, but some of his friends in Rome, he talks about creation waiting with eager expectation. For the creation, he says, was subjected to to frustration. 
the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and be brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. At the moment, creation is in the birth pangs. It is longing for that day. And if you know the Lord Jesus, you should be longing for that day too. For he will put all things right. He will put us right. But of course, you can't get away from it. Judgment does bring a challenge. I thought about bringing you the story of Achan and what happened at Jericho. But I thought I'd talk not about Achan, but about a can. I'm sure many of us of my generation have heard the story of how to catch a monkey. I don't know if it's true. But the story is that you find out where monkeys are. And in sight of the monkeys, who have probably climbed into a tree to avoid you, you get a big oil can with a sealed lid. But in the oil can you have put a small hole. And in the sight of all the monkeys, you put nuts into the small, through the small hole into the oil can. Big, heavy oil can. You depart and hide behind a bush. And the monkeys come down to get the nuts. And they can just about squeeze their hand through the oil can. They grab the nut only to find can't get your hand out when you've got a nut clasped in your fist. And while it's clasping the nut, you, intrepid hunter, come towards him. And it has to make the decision, do I keep this which seems so precious, but I can't escape because I can't get my hand out with the nut and the oil can is too heavy for me to drag unstuck. When he comes to turn everything up the right way, Jesus will banish everything that mars his creation. He will banish all sin, evil, selfishness, injustice, wickedness. All will be gone to your... If you cling on to your self centered life you will be banished too judgment is great good news if you're willing to let go of anything that stops you following Jesus but if you keep hold of that and refuse to follow him He would say, depart from me. I never knew you. Banished from the presence of a holy, loving God. Judgment is good news for creation. Make sure it's good news for you. Make sure it's good news for you. Judgment is good news for other reasons too. It's good news because there is such a thing as right and wrong. That's what judgment tells us. There is such a thing. In this world, haven't you heard it? It's like 
oh, it's all right for you, but it, it might be wrong for others. And it's, it might be wrong for you, but it's right for others. And it's all about a matter of personal preference. When you say it as starkly as that, it's clearly ridiculously, utterly ridiculous. But it is a trend of thought that comes in very often that you can't make moral judgments and yet it's absolutely essential that we do. Now we can make mistakes in making moral judgments but it's not a mistake to make them. The only question is by what standard do you judge? And here's the question for anyone who doesn't have a belief in God. On what basis do you make your statements? Because I'm sure you have a moral basis, but where do you get that from? Why isn't it just that that's what you like and you've got some friends that like that? Maybe the majority of people like that. Doesn't make it right, does it? There were times when the majority of people thought slavery was right, where the majority of people that weren't slaves. Did that make it right? Many people in Nazi Germany thought it was okay what they did to the Jews and others. Did that make it right? By what standard do you judge that? Is it just a matter of a vote? Then if it's a matter of democracy simply, of the majority tells you what's right and wrong, then you will know through history right and wrong has changed again and again and again and again. Christians believe there is a right and wrong because there's a coming judge. And he will make clear what the standards have always been. And he calls us now to align with him because he has revealed it not only in his word but in his life. Judgment is good news because there is such a thing as right and wrong. It's good news because there will be justice. If you have your eyes open and you have a sensitive heart, you will know... There is at times a deep anguish that you carry because of the injustice in the world. The rich and the powerful exploit the weak. Much of life for many is controlled by the whims of others. Economically and militarily powerful nations bully weaker ones. Life for so many, because of no fault of their own, is one of struggle and hardship. I'd watch um, football. I used to play it, but now I just watch it. I watch every match I can on the TV. And uh, you know what they say as the season goes on, when they, a, a ref makes a bad decision. Someone would glibly say, oh, over a, a, a whole season, it evens itself out. If you are a true fan, you know that's not true. You just know it doesn't always even itself out. And what's true of a premiership football league is true of life. It doesn't in this life. It doesn't always work itself out. If this, is, this life is all there is, there is no justice ultimately. Because some people are crushed and there is no hope within this life. But those who know Jesus are not only called to implement justice wherever we can in this life, but we look to the day when justice will be done, where all wrongs will be righted, where we'll see that there is such a thing as justice 
and he will make it happen. Judgment is good news. And judgment is good news because it does tell us we are significant. It was Maximus Decimus Meridius, the gladiator, who said, what we do in this life echoes in eternity. It's a great line just before a battle. You see the film? But it's a great line because it rings true. Every person on this planet knows they are significant. You can't get away from it. You're, you have this sense of dignity that you are special and you're right to have that. Judgment tells you that God takes seriously the decisions you make and that what you do in this life will echo in eternity. It is not just for these few short years that you make a difference. Your life can make a difference and will make a difference through eons and eons of time. Let it make the right sort of difference for you and for others. Because Jesus is the coming judge. Judgment is good news, but it is sobering news. Let me tell you the best thing about this statement. That Jesus is coming to judge. It's simply that it's Jesus who's coming to judge. It's Jesus that's coming to judge. And here are a couple of things said about him long before he he came to earth. Uh, In Isaiah, the prophecy, 600 odd years before Jesus came, he prophesied this about him. A bruised reed he will not break. A smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. What does that mean? It means the judge is compassionate. He's tender. He will not break a bruised reed. He doesn't look on our broken lives and say well they're not up to much he didn't look at this little working class boy who was a bit scared of his own shadow and go Mick Taylor not going to amount to much a bruised reed a smouldering wick any hint of faith he recognises he protects he nurtures he cares for the sheep that goes astray he goes find them and carries them home He's a compassionate, understanding judge. He's perceptive. I put understanding, perceptive, discerning might be a better word. We live in in an age of um, image makers. Where people, they cultivate their their public persona. We live particularly at a time when people are doing that in our politics, aren't they? What counts as evidence whether they're going to be a good leader of a party or not. And oh, no, you can't take that, but let me present this image. And I will change what I've done in the past to, to in this moment, look particularly good. They're all doing it. Not just Boris. They're all doing it. Jesus is not fooled by the spin masters. 
He's not fooled by religious people. His harshest criticism when he was on earth was not to those who never went to synagogue or never went to temple, but to those that were there at the very heart of it, but for whom it was an outward show and full of hypocrisy. To them, he spoke of judgment. To them, he spoke of hell. And and to the broken, to the outcast, he spoke of God's amazing, compassionate love for them and invited them in. It's good news, this judgment, because Jesus is the judge, compassionate and discerning. He won't be fooled by the pretenses of others. And he is merciful. He's not only judge, but he's saviour. He's not only righteous, but he's merciful. He is the judge that was willing to take your punishment. To leave the sanctuary of heaven... And all the praise and glory that he received then. And to become one of us. So he doesn't know what it's like. He has faced every temptation we face. He has known hardship and weakness and tiredness and going without food. He has known disappointment and desertion and hatred and bitterness. He's known it all. So he understands what we go through. And not only he knows what we go through, he went through something that we might not have to go through it. That on the cross, he went through the punishment of a holy God for us. He took the crushing blow of God's wrath Instead of in place of all those that would trust in him. This was no light thing. The son of God, the night before that happened, shuddered as he prayed. He wept as he prayed. He asked, Father, if there's another way. This was so horrifying to him to face that judgment He pleaded, if there's another way, can I take it? But he knew the answer. There was no other way. Either he would take it or I would take it. And it says, for the joy that was set before him, he took the punishment and held himself in the full focus of God's anger that I might not have to face it. Our judge is merciful. People get so confused about that, don't they? But if God is merciful, he can just let us off. No, that's not the way it works. Because he's also holy. But if he's a saviour, can't he just let me get into heaven? No, No, he's not only a saviour, he's a judge. He will do both. What he says is, I will judge, I need to judge, I am holy. This world demands I judge. Because there needs to be justice. But I've made provision because I'm a God of love and merciful. There is a way. And I sent my son for you. What keeps you? Does anything keep you from accepting his love? 
allowing him to be your substitute. Moses once before God's people said this, today I present before you life and death. Therefore choose life. When we think about this topic, we have to say God presents before every man, woman and child life and death. Therefore choose life. Choose life. And I know at that, this point, all sorts of things come up. You think about all the people. What about people who haven't heard the message? What about them? Let me tell you, the judge of all the earth will do right. He will not judge people for what they do not know. He will judge them for what they do know. That, let that not distract you from this moment. What do you know? Let me tell you what you know. You know that you are far from perfect. You know there are things that you have no real excuse for. Like we all do. Except that the Bible would say you're a sinner. You know that. You know there's no way to pay back all of that. You know that you've heard this message and many like it. You know you have seen in the lives of others the transforming power of Jesus. You know that. So the question is not about others today. It's about you. He sets before you life and death. Will God's judgment be good news for you? Before the service ends, you're going to break bread and drink wine. It tells us about the justice and judgment of God that Jesus took on our behalf. And it tells us about the compassion and love of God that welcomes you if you trust him to his table to receive forgiveness and mercy and welcome. The judgment of God comes through Jesus and that's really good news. Amen.